smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. I mean, it's been soul-crushing to me to see how the Republican Party has jettisoned most of what they used to believe in or claim to believe in in order to support Donald Trump and how the Republican Party in my lifetime has gone from being a conservative party with a white nationalist fringe to becoming essentially a white nationalist party with a conservative fringe. I mean, believe me, this is this has been so difficult for me to see, so heartbreaking. It's such a tragedy for America that this has happened. Uh, but pretty much the entire Republican Party has now sold out to Donald Trump. And, you know, I agree with David. I think that the only way to change the Republican Party is they need to suffer a massive defeat at the ballot box. They need to understand that stirring up hatred and bigotry, dividing Americans, that is not the way to win elections. But as long as they think it is a successful political formula, which it certainly was in 2016, they will continue doing more of the same. And that's why I've been urging everybody, even though I'm, I'm not a Democrat, I'm you know former lifetime Republican, but I'm urging everybody, vote Democratic. Sent a message to Trump and the Republicans. They cannot get away with this because if they do get away with it, if they win the, the midterm election, if they win in 2020, it's going to get 100 times worse. It's going to give them a signal to continue down this this road into some very dark and, and very scary territory. I agree with you. It still scares the hell out of me that sort of the best we can come up with, and again, I, I, I agree with you though, but that the best we can come up with is trying to appeal to Republicans' uh, personal gain, I guess. <laughs> In other words, we can't convince them that authoritarianism is bad, that flirting with fascism is bad, but maybe we can convince them that, oh, you know, it doesn't help you at the ballot box, so maybe you guys will get over it and not try it again. I feel like that that still puts us in a position where we're waiting for the next Trump, which again is something Cliff and I talk about on the show a lot, somebody who's much more competent, much smarter, much more legislatively savvy, who then is able to do so much more damage next time. I don't know. I mean, how do we intellectually defeat it or will we not be able to intellectually defeat Trumpism? Well, I feel like uh, I'm having a mind meld with you guys because I often say many of the same things that you're saying right now. I mean, I think it is a genuine issue. And I think you, you, you do point to the unbelievable cynicism and opportunism of the Republican political class where you can't appeal to their patriotism. You can't appeal to their idealism. The only way you can appeal to them is, is through crass political calculation and say maybe – you know, Trumpism is, is not going to be such a winning political formula. But, you know, how do you wean people off of these uh, these scary ideas in the future? And, and I, I don't know. And I mean, the, the, the further complication, of course, is that, you know, even uh, if Trump is defeated, even if a lot of his followers are defeated, the sentiments that they that they played upon are still going to be there. The people who thrilled at these Trump rallies, they're still going to be here. They're not going anywhere. That's a substantial portion of the population. I mean, right now about... 30% of the electorate loves Donald Trump. I mean, 40% approves of him, but about 30% really likes the guy. Right. And so you have to deal with that constituency going forward. And I think that's a huge you know, problem for this country. I almost feel like we need some kind of de-radicalization, detoxification campaign. We need some kind of public service campaign like the way we made you know, smoking a taboo uh, right. thing. We need to make hate-mongering taboo. We need the crying Indian. <laughs> racism, anti-Semitism, and Nazism is bad. Yeah. It, it may be, though. I mean, I mean, I thought people knew that, but apparently not. Well, it felt like we had these guardrails against that. And, and it, to me, the big problem is, again, because we do believe in free speech uh, and we need it for democracy. We rightly believe in it. But 
there was sort of a, a, a there in the past it feels like there was a punishment if you went there that even other republicans would disavow you, you know that that they'd become embarrassed by you that the institutions we had out there even the more conservative ones would kind of would back off and say and and condemn you and it just feels like you know the rush limbaugh fox news that they've upended all that so now you get further in your career if you're willing to play to that. You get yourself a no, show right. on Fox. And you have sanction from the president of the United States. I mean, let's keep that in mind. I mean, okay, yep. there have always been hate mongers and trolls and radio hosts out there saying crazy stuff. But now when you have the president of the United States with the world's biggest bully pulpit saying it, that has a massive impact on, on the society. Right. Uh, no, and I, and, and I agree with that. I just worry that even if we get rid of Trump, right, even we vote him out, we vote all these guys out in Congress, that we've opened this Pandora's box has been opened. We can't make and it's hard to legislate. It's hard to make laws against it. It's more based upon you know uh, expectations and shame and what yeah, you're supposed well, to we do in a democracy. Need to, right. We yeah. We need to reinstill some societal norms. And I mean, it's ironic that Republicans, you know, who have long been accusing liberals of 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 being immoral and you know destroying uh, morality, threatening family values. It's Republicans who are actually busting through the most fundamental norms of decency in our society. Yeah, and I, to, to take that also a step further, I mean, again, you know, there used to be, and there was a whole group of guys, I mean, you worked for one of them, John, Ted Stevens. Yep. There were those that kind of these old bulls of the Senate. Whether you agreed with them on everything or not, you know, they sort of were the caretakers, and you thought when when the kind of the, the more radical Republicans would get there, your Rick Santorums, they would push back against some of that kind of stuff. But now, and you pointed this out, Max, in your in your uh, in your piece in the Washington Post, you've got Chuck Grassley, who exactly is one of those old kind of bulls. And you think of Orrin Hatch and you think of some of these other guys, they're supporting this stuff. They're, you know, it, it, you know Kavanaugh becomes an issue. And, oh, George Soros is, is out there and he must be paying the people that are out here protesting. And, and you'd expect these Republicans who've been there for this time, who are supposed to have this respect for democracy to throw that aside. And yet you get a Grassley, as you pointed out, saying, no, no, that sounds right. Um, I mean, yeah. How, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm asking a, a question, and maybe there's no answer, which is how do we get that culture back within the conservative part of this country? And I don't know if it's possible. I don't know. It, it's, it's a huge struggle. I mean, I think we all have to pitch in and, and try to do our part. I mean, talking about the old bulls, I mean, I think it was a real tragedy, not just on a personal level, but on a national level, that we lost Senator McCain uh, in August because he was certainly one of those last vestiges of a more decent Republican Party. And now... You know, you see even just today, Lindsey Graham, his closest friend in the Senate, uh, joining with Donald Trump to attack birthright citizenship. What? Right. I mean, that is so offensive. That is so crazy. I can't imagine John McCain for a second putting up with anything like that. But he is gone. And, and so, you know, Lindsey Graham, uh, you know, is, is going off off the rails like this. I mean, that to me is kind of symbolic of of what's happened with the Republican Party. Huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, this is one of those interviews where Cliff and I are going to be speechless a few times, I think, because I just, I just, you know, the more I think about this, it just, I can't, it just sort of blows my mind that we're here. And I'm just, especially the Lindsey Graham stuff, just the Republicans in Congress, how much they've been willing to even, even McCain, and, you know, Cliff and I obviously would have our issues with McCain, you know, but, but with all the Republicans, I think even the ones who were outspoken really didn't act enough. I, I wish McCain had done more. Uh, Jeff Flake is a great example of somebody who I think does nothing to help. He speaks a lot. And when he speaks, it's nice, and I've defended him for being outspoken about Trumpism. But when push comes to, I mean, having worked in the Senate, 
you know, you've got levers when you work in the Senate for pushing the administration around. You literally do screw with legislation. You do say, you know what, you need my vote. I'm not giving you the vote because you're doing right. this other thing that I, this right. other thing totally unrelated that I don't like. And if right. Jeff Flake really thought democracy were under attack, he would use some of those levers. So I, I but, but this gets to that larger question again of why, why and how so many Republicans, God, I mean, I, you know, I think traditionally we think of ourselves as the wimps, Max, as far as Democrats. I mean, that we're the ones who, you know, are going to kowtow, not Republicans, that you guys, are, well, you guys, they, those guys are the strong ones. And the people who ended up being the biggest snowflakes, to use their term, are Republican members of Congress and the RNC. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. Um, I mean, what they've basically shown is that, uh, you know, in lieu of principles, uh, they have poll numbers. I mean, they will go with the polls. And I think all the Republicans in Congress are terrified of what happened to Mark Sanford in South Carolina, where Trump cheated against them and he lost his primary. And that's, you know, for Republican members of Congress, that's the worst fate they could possibly imagine. They're willing to violate their oaths of office. They're willing to turn their backs on on the country because they're afraid of losing re-election because of of this far-right base, which dominates Republican primaries and that Donald Trump is in tune with. So they're, you know, basically they're the, you know, the the far-right and Trump are, are holding the Republican Party hostage right now. To hear the rest of this episode, become a premium subscriber to the Unprecedented Podcast by going to patreon.com slash unprecedentedpodcast. And with a $5 a month or more subscription, you not only support the show, but you get access to this episode and all of our premium episodes, including all of our great guests. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your support.